Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Come on now, let's just put our hands together. Let's put our hands together and bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. George, Ricky, Crew, Izzy, thank you guys. Ash, thank you for, for leading us. Rachel and Jackie, and for everyone behind the scenes, thank you so much. Um, I just have to give a, a personal shout out to um, our media team who has really showed up this year. I mean, they always showed up, but this year they really showed up. Can we just say amen in the house? Can we just say amen in the building for those um, the people behind the scenes that we don't see? We don't see their faces, but the, every week, day in and day out, they show up to make sure that this message of the gospel is communicated and that it is streamed directly to your homes, directly to your devices. And so thank you guys so much. And then I just also just have to definitely um, just praise God for what he is doing in Bruce's life and praise God for what he's doing in Jaron's life. Thank you guys, man. We praise God for what he's doing in your life. As you all saw the baptism, two individuals gave their heart to Jesus. And uh, this wasn't a decision that was made just in the moment. God has been working in their lives. We know that that God is always at work and has been working for a long time in their lives. And this is just a part of the fulfillment and the fruit that is being born in their life. And so I'm super excited to continue to see what God is going to continue to do in your life. Baptism isn't the, gra isn't the graduation. Amen, somebody. Baptism is just orientation, right? Baptism is just you getting started, right? You're just getting warmed up. When you get baptized, you're, you're just getting warmed up. And so I'm super excited to see uh, what God does in your life as you continue to run this race, um, called, run this race called uh, being in Christ in this Christian race. Uh, Family and friends, for those who are with us and watching online, we want to invite you to the Word of God. And we are in the last part of our series called God's Plan. And all month long, we have been talking about how God has a plan for your life. That God's plan for your life doesn't always make sense. Come on now, I got a witness. God's plan for your life doesn't always line up, right? that God's plan for your life a lot of times feels inconvenient, and that a lot of times what we talk about, if we said that God's plan, it feels as though that God's plan is so far left field that when I call on God or look for him to do something in my life, that he is inconsistent, he's late, he's um, just uninvolved, that he is just not, not present. But yet we realize that God is trying to do a great purpose in our lives and that he doesn't always show up like that old saying, he doesn't always show up when you want him, but he always shows up right on time. And so today we're going to continue in this series, the last part of this God's plan series. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about it a little bit. Some of the main texts that we've been dealing with have been Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. 
I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to not harm you, plans to give you hope. We've been talking about Isaiah and 55, verse 8 and 9, which says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. But as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great are my ways beyond your ways. For just as the high as the heavens are, so great are my ways beyond your ways and my thoughts beyond your thoughts. So, so, so all month long, we've really just been trying to establish that, you know, we see things from our perspective, which is largely based on our experience. It's based on our pain. It's based on our, 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 our frustration, our loss. God sees things from his perspective, which is based purely on his sovereignty and on his purposes for us. And the great challenge that we have is to align our plan and to allow God to bring our plan into alignment with his plan. And today I want to continue in this series. And today the, the message that I want to just bring to you is entitled, When God's Purpose disrupts your plan. When God's purpose disrupts your plan. Father, as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, I think about my children often, and I have the privilege of raising, as many of you all know, three daughters who are four, six, and seven. I got three kids. I always say that, um, one kid is a beautiful thing. One is beautiful. For all those, single, all those single child parents out there, like I'm just like, yo, one is a beautiful thing. I'm just going to leave it right there. God has blessed us with three children, four, six, and seven. And I had a very interesting experience with, with one of my daughters. I, we normally try to take them on a walk. Um, they take us on a walk. More so is a quick way of putting that. They walk us. Um, so we go on a walk at least once a day. We walk around the neighborhood, and they're riding the bikes uh, and doing their thing. And this week had an interesting experience because my youngest, Elise, she was so determined to go on this walk. She's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we started going. And as we were walking, we probably got I don't know, a couple blocks from the house, and for some reason, it was a lot colder than what we anticipated. And so my middle child, Millie, she was like, oh, I'm cold. Can we go back so I can get my coat? And I'm like, well, we're already like two blocks away, but you're cold, so let's go back. And so I was like, Elise, we have to go back. And that was like the worst thing I could have said to Elise, because she literally, Rachel, she literally like started throwing a temper tantrum. She did not want to go back. She was not having it. She was actually running ahead of us. And so the idea that she had to change the direction she was going in, turn around and go all the way back to the house. She was like, no, I'm not doing it. And I was like, come on, we just, she's cold. Put yourself, I was trying to pull out all the father tips, like put yourself in her shoes. Like if you're cold, you'd want us to go back for you. I was trying to all, but she was not feeling any of it. So I said, you know what, Millie, you just run home. Like, I'm watching you. You just run home, and you get your coat and come back, right? Gave her the garage opener, and she was going to run home. And as she was running home, I said, you know, it's probably not a good idea to send her home by herself, right? It's probably not a good idea. So I said, I said, I said, Elise, run home with your sister, right? I can still kind of see you all around the corner. Run home with your sister with her. And she, at that moment, she was like, hold on. Not only are you asking me to not go forward, but you're saying we have to stop here and wait for her. And now you're asking me to actually run with her home? She was like, Daddy, I'm not doing it. And, and a 40-year-old and a 4-year-old had it out on the corner of that street, right? And I just, like, she was one of them where she, like, stomped her feet and folded her hands. And she was like, no, like, I'm, I'm not doing it. It's not happening. And so I had to get in, like, full-blown dad mode. 
like, oh no, like, you, you gonna do this. Like, it, it reached a point, Paula, where it was, it was not just a suggestion anymore. Like, you about to fall in line. And she refused. And so then I just had to do the thing that we all hated when our parents did this to us, but I had to start taking away things. I was like, you know what, we were gonna get ice cream today, but uh, you ain't getting no ice cream with your attitude. And that was like, I already, past one limit, Izzy, like that was beyond for her. And so she just started crying and she started running home, but she ran home with, with her arms crossed, stomping the entire way, determined to not like enjoy this process at all. She got home. I was like, no, you know what? The walk is over. You know, we just going to go upstairs. And she went upstairs and she just cried, healed her eyes out because not only did they walk in early, but now she was getting ice cream. And as I was, I was Watching this play out, right, and experiencing this play out, I couldn't help but think about how we feel when God disrupts our plans. I mean, do I got a witness in the house where your plans at any point, have you ever experienced when your plans were disrupted? Where it was like you had everything mapped out, and I'm not even talking about like in a God sense. Maybe just like when you were a kid, you were planning to do something like, yo, I'm going to go out on Friday night. I'm going to go out on Saturday night. We're going to hang with my boys. I'm going to go out with my girls. And you had everything. You had your, your kicks refreshed. You had your, your, your outfit laid out. And then something happened. Your parents, your mom, they, for whatever reason, they shut it down. And you were just like upset, frustrated. I think all of us have been in a situation at one point or another where where our plans are disrupted. And what's interesting is that a part of this process of our plans being disrupted is the reason why our plans and our minds, a lot of times it's hard for us to adjust to disruptive plans is because we had our hearts set on one thing. And now we have to like realign and readjust and reframe the situation and, and, and our expectations were not being met. And that is a difficult thing for so many of us to do. I mean, literally, have you ever tried to change someone's mind before? I mean, it's like impossible, borderline impossible. And we've seen this play out. We've seen it play out with this last political arena where, you know, clearly one opponent had some plans and his plans didn't work. And so he's upset that his plans didn't work and someone else has plans. And the whole time of this whole idea of trying to fulfill and work out your plans, recognizing that they're trying to convince people to either vote for them. They're trying to convince people to get on board with them. But for whatever reason, the plans didn't work. People's minds were not changed. And as a result, you're frustrated. As a result, you're upset. As a result, you throw borderline temper tantrums because your plans did not work out the way you wanted them to work out. And I think for many of us, 2020 was one of those disruptions where we came into 2020 saying, like, this is going to be the best year ever. Like, it's a, it's a new everything, 2020, like a new decade, like a new everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my game to the next level. And we just experienced everything but what we had hoped for. Personal crisis, loss in our families, loss of employment, physical health challenges. And it seemed like it never ended. And our plans were disrupted. And I think this is also true when it comes to our walk with God. And that if you walk with God long enough, at some point, he is going to disrupt your plans. At some point, you're going to have an idea of what you want to accomplish, where you want to go, how you want your life to succeed. But God's going to step in and he's going to like 
pull an audible, and in that moment when he pulls this audible, your plans are going to be disrupted. And depending on your level of maturity and how you process things, you will either throw a temper tantrum and like throw in the towel and say, you know what, I can't do this. I ain't going, I, God, I, 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 I ain't doing this no more. Or depending on your level of maturity, you will adjust. I mean, I think about so many examples. Like think, for example, where there is this man in the Bible by the name of Jonah. And Jonah had clearly some plans, but God showed up, George, and Jonah was like, and God was like, Jonah, I want you to go to my people in Nineveh. And Jonah was like, I ain't, I ain't, that's not a, that's not on my life plan. Like I got my three-year life plan and I'm a, I know I'm a preacher of God and I'm a prophet, but going to Nineveh ain't a part of my life plan. And God's like, you know, your hips going to Nineveh sent him to Nineveh, sent him to preach. He didn't want to go. He's like, why am I going? Like, it's, 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 it's pointless for me to go. But God says, no, you're going to go. Jonah tried not to go. God sent Jonah, or he, he jumped on a boat. Storm came. Y'all know the story. Jonah was thrown overboard. Fish, whale, big something, uh, behemoth came, swallowed him up, and Jonah spent three days in the belly of a whale because he was running from God's purposes for his life. And guess what happened? The fish threw Jonah up on the banks of Nineveh. He went there, he preached. He said, I don't know why I'm preaching, but I'm going to preach. So he went there, preached, saved the entire population, and was still upset with God. I mean, God has a track record throughout history of disrupting plans. There's literally story after story after story of how God took what someone thought that they were going to do, showed up in a different way, and totally took them down a path that they were not expecting or wanting to go. And we see this most clearly in the New Testament. In fact, we want to start in Matthew chapter 1. If you got your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, we started this story last week when we were talking about Mary and her experience with the angel. And when the angel came and said, hey, you're about to have a child. And, and, and Mary's like, how is this going to happen? And the angel's like, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And, and, and I don't know if the angel lit any candles or what happened. The Holy Ghost lit any candles. But they had a moment together. The baby Jesus was, was in her womb. She gave birth. And, and, and when Mary heard this news... We talked about it last week. Mary said, Mary said, I am your maidservant. Be it unto me according to your will. That's Mary's perspective. Today, I want to talk to you about Joseph's perspective. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, uh, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and this is from the New King James Version, before they came together, there was found, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not just wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And she will be, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So all was done that it was, so all this was done so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
I don't know how you would have handled this situation if you were in Joseph's shoes, but I just kind of want to paint a picture real quick for you that when you think about Joseph, um, so here is a man, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Here is a man who was a carpenter, and we know that Joseph was a good man. He was just, he was upright. He was a man of integrity. He wasn't just like sleeping around with folk. He wasn't just sowing his wild oats. Like Joseph was that dude that you would want to, you would want your daughter to bring home, right? Like he's that type of character. He has a character. He has a good job. He has a good job. I'm going to say that for the people in the back. He has a good job, right? He, his stuff is together. He knows exactly what he's about. He's like, listen, I'm going to, you know, I, fa- I want to have a family. I want to have some kids. Joseph is that guy. He's that dude. And so Joseph, one day, he meets this young lady called Mary, and I'm sure they probably met at, like, the, 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 the local coffee shop, you know. Do you think they had coffee, George, back then? Probably so, right? They probably had a little something. They met at a local coffee shop. And I can just imagine, I can imagine that Joseph saw her, maybe a friend introduced them. And Joseph was like, wow, this is a really nice young lady. I wonder if we'll meet again. And it just so happened that they crossed paths again later on a few weeks later. And I'm just using my imagination now that, again, Joseph sees Mary. He's like, you know what? I think I really want to get to know her. So they start a friendship and they get to know each other. And then Joseph's parents get involved and Mary's parents get involved. And what actually happens is, I don't know if it was an arrangement marriage, as many of us are accustomed to when we read the scripture, a lot of marriages in that day were arranged. But at some point, the parents got together and they said, yeah, okay, y'all two, y'all two gonna get married. And they were actually engaged. Now, engagement in the biblical day, Rachel was and Jackie, was a little bit different than when we get engaged in today's society. Like when I proposed to Holly, we were engaged, and uh, she had just graduated from nursing school, and I, it was in D.C. We were celebrating her graduation, and I also proposed to her. My family flew in. Her family was there. It was a great day. And when I said, will you marry me, it was with the expectation that, you know what, three, six, maybe nine months from now, we're going to be walking down the aisle, right? That there's like, there's engagement, and then there's marriage, and there's not like an in-between stage, right? Like if I'm engaged to her, I'm introducing her to my friends and family as my fiance. Well, in a biblical time, there were kind of levels to this. There were multiple stops along the way. And so a couple could be betrothed to one another, but not be fully married yet. But yet just because they were betrothed, when they were betrothed though, what we do know is that they would often refer to each other as husband and wife. Even though they had not yet engaged in sexual intimacy. And so Joseph and Mary were betrothed. It was almost like I'm committing to you before I commit to you, before I commit to you, right? So we're betrothed, we're together. I I have given your parents my word that we are going to get married. And because I've given them my word that we're going to get married, we just automatically start referring to ourselves as husband and wife, even though we're not technically husbands and wives. And so in the context, Joseph had meets Mary, gets this thing arranged with her parents and his parents. He be, he's betrothed to Mary. So literally he's introducing people, introducing Mary to people as my wife. And then one day Joseph comes home and I don't think they're living together yet because they're not technically married. So one day Joseph come home and Mary's there and she came over the house and she's like, Joseph, I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. Like, I don't know. I mean, George, you're dating a young lady, beautiful young lady. I don't know how you would feel if one day she just pulled up on you and was like, babe. I mean, you're tripping. Like, 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 like it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Like, if, if she pulled up and was like, yo, I'm, I'm pregnant. And this is exactly what Joseph is experiencing. He's like, hold on, wait. Like, 
you're pregnant. You're pregnant by who? It ain't me. Yeah, like we haven't, I mean, I don't think, we, well, we haven't done nothing. Like who are you pregnant by? And Joseph is so disappointed and so, I can imagine, frustrated. I mean, all my fellas out there, you know how you would feel. It would be a level of like betrayal upon betrayal upon betrayal. Not just because like, okay, I know we're past the dating stage. So, you know, if someone steps out on you and you're dating them, that hurts. But, you know, you can distance yourself. You know, there was no long-term commitment. But, but he's betrothed to this person. He has committed to marrying her and has already started calling her his wife. So Joseph is, he's on one right now. And I love how the Bible says it in verse 18. It says, after his Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together. So after they had committed, before they had actually had sex, she was found. It was like she was found with child. Like, like woke up one day and was like, wow, I'm three months pregnant. Like, how did this happen? Like, she was found. Like, she just stumbled into this thing. Joseph just, what do you mean you're, you're pregnant? So Joseph, like any man, I'm sure is upset. And Joseph recognizes I have a decision to make. I can put her away loudly or I can put her away quietly. You notice how there wasn't the third option, I can stay with her. Right? Joseph's like, there's two decisions I can make. I can put her away publicly or I can put her away privately. And the Bible tells us that because Joseph was an upright man, a just man, a good man. Joseph made up in his mind that he was going to put her away privately. He was like, listen, listen, I don't know what happened. I, I hear what you're telling me. I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't want to put your business out there like that, but this, I, this ain't for me. Like, I can't. I'm not the one. Like, you're saying something about the Holy Ghost, but that don't make no sense. That's never happened before. Okay, let's just, let, I'm just going back out of this thing. No one has to know. I won't, you know, I'm not going to badmouth you. I'm not going to get on Twitter and talk about you, right? It's not going to be out there like that. I'm just going to put you away. And that's what Joseph had committed to doing. In fact, the text says, another version says, that he had made up in his mind to divorce her. Because they were technically married, even though they had not yet been intimate together. But verse 20 says that, by while, but when Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God came in clutch for Mary. <laughs> God was like, listen, listen, Mary, don't worry. I got, I got this, brother. I got him. I got him. So the angel of the Lord came in clutch and was like, listen, let me, have, let me talk to Joseph in his dreams. And Joseph has a dream. And the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is in her is of me. <laughs> that which is in her is of me. Joseph, um, it goes on, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. I mean, so here Joseph wakes up from his dream, and Joseph begins to realize that, hold on, like, like, like this, like I had a plan. I had a plan that I was going to meet Mary, find Mary, 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 not the singer, Mary, okay, what's that? Mary, Mary, we're going to have some kids, 
We're going to have a family. We're going to buy a house. I'm going to work a job. We're going to have a white picket fence. Everything's going to be good. Like, like I have plans. And then all of a sudden, God shows up in the midst of Joseph's plans and literally hijacks Joseph's plans. It's like, Joseph, I know you had some plans, but I just need to borrow this womb for like nine months. Right? Like, let me just borrow this womb for like nine months, Joseph. Like, I, you, you, you'll get it. You'll get it, brother. It, it'll be yours. But, but just for about nine months, let me just, let me just, let me just hold on to this real quick. And, and God literally steps in and disrupts God's plans. And this is the big idea that I want you to get. We just celebrated Christmas, the birth of Jesus. We gave gifts and we celebrated and we had fun with our family, socially distanced and safe. But this is what I want you to get. This is what Christmas is really all about. Jesus being born, but even the birth of Jesus, this miracle, which in my opinion is probably the greatest miracle ever performed, the fact that a woman can get pregnant by the Holy Ghost and give birth to God. I mean, come on now. I know there's raising the dead, but that's pretty miraculous. And yet this great miracle that all of us celebrate was in fact a major disruption to Joseph's life. Major disruption. That this was not a part of Joseph's plan. Now, this is not Joseph who is an evil man, a sinister man, who is just trying to like, you know, a self-centered man, trying to live his life greedy and how much money he can make and build a big house. No, this is Joseph who is a good man, a righteous man, a just man, a man who serves people. Like, this is Joseph. He's a good dude. And yet God steps in and God literally disrupts Joseph's plans. And this is what I want you to get. This is the big idea, is that you don't always have to understand God's plan in order to trust God's purposes. You don't always have to understand it, because I'm sure in that moment, even though Joseph had a dream, that in Joseph's dream, Joseph woke up, and I'm sure he was like, man, why me? Why her? Like, aren't there, like, any other hundreds of thousands of virgins out there? Why, why not? Why us, God? I had a plan. And I'm sure Joseph, in that moment, didn't fully understand God's plan. Just like I know there are many of you all who are watching right now, and even here in this building, who feel as though you don't fully understand God's plan. God, what are you doing and yet you don't have to understand God's plan to trust God's purpose. One of the texts that I love, one of my favorite Proverbs, is Proverbs 19, verse 21. And Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, many are the plans in a person's heart. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. Many are the plans that you had for 2020. Many are the plans that you had for your family and for your finances and for your health and for your job. Many are your plans, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. And I just want to speak to someone out there right now who you are on the fence about this thing called Christianity. You're on the fence about this thing called Jesus Christ and surrendering to him and like, okay, you know it and you get it and you kind of loosely identify yourself as a believer, but you're not fully surrendered because in your mind you feel like, man, well, what will God ask me to give up or what will God cause me to surrender or what will God make me sacrifice? And I'm not quite sure I fully trust this God. And what I want to tell you is that you don't have to understand it all. It doesn't, it's not going to always make sense to you. But in spite of not fully understanding it all, God has a purpose that he wants you to put your trust in. 
because you don't have to understand God's plan in order to trust his purpose. I'll never forget when I was in high school, way back when, in 1999, the greatest graduating class of high school ever. Let me just throw that out there. Uh, when I graduated in 99, I had a plan. I was going to go to Georgia Tech and become an engineer. Um, I had an individual mentor, older brother in my life who I looked up to. He was an engineer. And I said, man, I kind of want to do what he's doing. I was going to go to Georgia Tech, become an engineer. You know, I had plans for my life. You know, I never forget around that time I had just started dating my dream girlfriend, literally, who I had worked so hard to get with. It took me forever to convince her to be with me, but I had finally convinced her to be with me. I was a graduating senior. I was a big man on campus. I was a class president of my graduating class. And in that moment, in that season where I felt like everything was working out for me, I had the girl that I've always wanted to be with, I had plans to go to school and to, to, to move to Atlanta and go to Georgia Tech, right? I was popular in my school. I was on the basketball team starting five, Rachel, play ball. Like, like I was the dude. And in that moment, I'll never forget, November of 98, God stepped in. And God says, Seth, I know you have a plan, but I have a purpose for you. And in that moment, I'll never forget November of 98, God stepped into my bedroom. I will remember, won't forget it. it it's, it's almost like it happened yesterday. God stepped into my bedroom. My parents' house, my little twin bed. And God started downloading his purposes for my life in that moment. And throughout that entire month of November, I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled. I had always been loosely associated with God. I had always gone to church because my parents would take me. I was still in their house. But I had plans that once I graduate, like, I'm, I'm out. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm always going to identify as a Christian, but, but, but I'm not going to be, like, super close, like, I'm not going to be like a zealot or religious, like super have a lot of zeal. Like, you know, you know I got a safety blanket called Christ, but, but he's not really my dude, dude, for real. And in that moment, God stepped in and God started revealing to me the purpose that he has for me. And he started unfolding to me what he wanted me to do and why he wanted me to do it. And I didn't understand and it didn't make sense. But all I know is that God was disrupting my plan. Changed my plan, so he's like, "No, you're not. You're not going to Georgia Tech to become an engineer. Like, I'm sending you to become a preacher." I was like, "A preacher? Like, why would you? Why would I do that?" Mind you, I had plans. He's like, "Oh, and the, the person you're dating right now? Yeah, she's really nice. She's a nice girl, but she ain't the one for you. That's someone else's wife." <laughs> Real talk. That's someone else's wife. That ain't yours. Let her go. Right? Don't touch her. Right? You touching someone else's someone else's bride? But I was like, God, I worked so hard to be with her. God's like, I know, I know, I know you did, right? And you, you have preserved her for her husband. Thank you for that. But she's someone else's. Called me to break up with my girlfriend. I was on the basketball team. And God said, oh, about that basketball thing. Let's shut that down too. Yeah, let's just, just go ahead and shut that down. I was like, what do you mean shut it down? He's like, no, like, I know you basketball. I know you like basketball, but you like it a little bit too much. Like, it, it's like all you do. So let's go ahead and shut that down. I had plans. Like, I now, I wasn't going to, like, D1 school. I wasn't going, you know, I'd play some intramural ball, right? You want to play intramural, just you know, go to the basketball court, and we can run up and down. I didn't have basketball plans, but I had plans, y'all. And God just systematically, one by one by one, started shutting down my plans. And what God was doing was he was saying, Seth, I just want you to know that you might not necessarily understand what I'm doing right now, but I have a purpose for your life. 
that if you stay with these plans that you've created, you will never reach the purpose I have for your life. I want you to get that. God is saying, Seth, relove family. I have a plan for you. I have purpose for you. And if you stay in the plans that you're currently operating in right now, you will never reach my purposes. So God started shutting stuff down. And early on, I learned that you don't have to understand God's plan in order to trust God's purpose. And there's someone right now who is of that same mind where you're like, God, I don't know what you were doing this year. I don't know why you're doing this and you changed this. And I thought I was going to get this job and that didn't work out. And I thought I was going to go here and that didn't work out. And my relationship, I thought we were going to go here. I thought we were going to have some kids and I can't get pregnant. And there's a whole lot of things going on. And it just feels like, God, what in the world are you doing? And I just want to let you know that God has a plan for your life, but you don't have to understand it in order to say, God, I trust your purposes. Now, this is the thing, that God loves you literally so much that, that God will say, you know what, I'm going to do everything in my power to get your attention. Now, I'm, I can't, he can't force you. He can't force you. Joseph could have woke up that morning and said, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying, but I'm out. It's too much for me. So God's not going to force his purposes on your life. Right? He's not going to make you do it. But God will do everything he can to get your attention. And there's two types of individuals I've learned that God, that two types of individuals I've learned that, 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 um, that, that engage God or that God tries to engage in certain ways. Let me say it like that. So there's some of us where God catches us on our way up. So you got plans like I was, man, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I got big plans. My life was looking up. I'm climbing the ladder of success. I'm being more, getting more and more popular. Uh, my job is getting more and more prestigious. Like so I'm getting these promotions and God is catching and you are on your way up. And while you are climbing your personal ladder of success, God steps in and says, ah, let me, let me grab that ladder real quick. And God catches you on your way up like he did Joseph. Joseph had plans. He's like, yo, I'm about to get married, and we're about to, you know, I might have a little carpentry shop and have some apprentices under me, and we're going to grow this little business, and Mary, you're going to have about 10 of my kids, and we're going to just be a happy family. And God hijacked Joseph's plan while Joseph was on his way up. But then there's some of us where God catches us on our way down. There's some of you all where, man, you're on your way down, you're failing in your marriage and your job is not fulfilling and your health is struggling and you're struggling in your finances and you are just about to bottom out and God steps in and God grabs the slide that you're on. And God says, no, we're not going to let you go all the way down. I got a purpose for you. This is kind of like what I think about the demoniac who, who is in Mark chapter 5. You can read it later in Mark chapter 5. Jesus tells a story, not even a story. Jesus encountered a man who was demon-possessed, and he was at the bottom, the low of the low. He was cutting himself and, and, and torturing himself, and no one wanted anything to do with him. It felt like in his world, he was more beast than animal. He was out of his mind. And Jesus steps in in his lowest point and says, I have purpose for you. Cast out the demons. The man comes and says, Jesus, can I come with you and become one of your disciples? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to your home and I want you to preach the gospel and tell people what I've done for you. And that demoniac who at one point was literally mind blown becomes 
one of the first preachers and evangelists in his region to testify about Jesus Christ. That God will either catch us when we are climbing the ladder or God will catch us when we are going down the ladder. But God is so persistent and so determined that he will do everything he can in his power to catch you. And so I think, again, about Joseph. And Izzy, you can play for us. I think about Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says in verse 24, Matthew uh, chapter 1, Joseph is aroused from his sleep. And the Bible says that Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And he took Mary to be his wife. And he did not know her. (laughs) He did not have sex with her. He was not intimate with her until after she had her firstborn son. And they called his name Jesus. Joseph said, God, I recognize that right now what you're doing in this space is a disruption to my plan. But I also recognize that your plans are higher than my plans. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are so much more higher than my thoughts. And that I want to make sure your purposes prevail. Because God, I got plans. And if you know me, I personally am a planner. (laughs) I got nine-week nine plans. I got, I got year plans, three-year plans, five-year plans. I, I'm a planner. And you might be a planner, but God steps in, and he says, I recognize that you're a planner, but I got a purpose for you that is greater than your plan. And so when God does that, and he shows up, and he disrupts your purpose, He steps in and he starts hijacking what you thought you were going to do. He starts rerouting you and sending you in a different direction. My prayer and my hope and my desire for you is that you might respond like Joseph responded. I will do whatever the Lord commands me to do. Because I recognize his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. So there's someone watching right now and you are climbing the ladder of success. And I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with the ladder of success or that somehow God doesn't want you on that ladder. No, I think you should be doing everything you can to maximize your potential. But just understand that God might step in as you are climbing that ladder. And he might say, you know what? I love your drive. I love your energy. I love your your go-getter-ness. I want to use that for my kingdom. And there's some of you all who you are descending the ladder quickly, and it feels as though your world is bottoming out. And God as well is coming in. He's saying, listen, don't worry. I'm going to catch you. I have a purpose, and I have a plan for your life. So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be, to, to be aware that even though you might not understand God's plan, you can still trust his purpose. And there may be someone right now who is, you're watching and you're saying, you know what? 
I feel like God is disrupting my plan. I mean, that's what he does. He's a disruptor. And the same way that, that baby Jesus was born into the womb of Mary and disrupted Joseph's plan, so too Jesus wants to be born, not in your womb, but he wants to be born in your heart. And when he is born into your heart, it will also disrupt your plan. And you may be feeling that tension right now. Like, I feel God is trying to come in. I feel like he wants me to surrender. I feel like I need to give my all. I need to get baptized like my brothers were just baptized. I need to do something. But I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant because I don't want God to disrupt my plan. Well, God is a disruptor. But understand that God is not trying to withhold something from you when he disrupts your plan. God actually wants something for you. He wants something for you. When God told me to, to leave the, the girl of my dreams because she was someone else's, husband, someone else's wife, he wasn't trying to take something from me. He's like, no, Seth, I want something else for you. When God called me to let go of my high school dream of playing ball and, 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 and going to, to Georgia Tech to, to college, God was like, no, I'm not trying to take something from you, Seth. I want something for you. that God wants something for you. So I want to invite you to not resist any longer. I want to invite you to allow the Spirit of God to come in and for you to respond like Joseph, for you to respond like Mary and say, I am, Lord, have your way. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, God, have your way in me. That's my prayer for you. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to always make sense. It doesn't always have to be clear. But you're, when you do that, when you say, have your way, you are essentially saying, God, I'm trusting your purposes. And that your purposes are greater than my plan. Spirit of the living God, Lord, we recognize in this moment that you have plans for us. We recognize in this moment that you have purposes for us and that your plans and your purposes are so often a disruption. They leave us feeling as though we are kind of out there on a limb and kind of uncomfortable and inconvenienced and there's this tension and Lord, I know there's someone right now who's watching who feels that. I know there's someone right now who feels that in their spirit. They feel like, ah, oh, but if I give God my all, what's, what's he going to ask me to do and what is it going to look like? I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do that and I don't know. And God, I just pray that you would step into that person right now and that you would just reassure them that, that I have plans and purposes for you. I don't want something from you. I'm not trying to deny you of something. I want something for you. I want peace and power and promise for you. I want your life to be powerful beyond measure. I want you to impact people around you like you've never done before. And that doesn't mean that God is calling everyone who's watching, he's calling them to be a pastor or a preacher. No, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying that God's purpose for your life is for you to let your light shine, to you to be a radiant beam of God's glory to your friends and to your family, whatever form or shape that takes. God wants so much more for you than what you could ever want for yourself. And so in this moment right now, I want to invite you.
to surrender your heart and say, Jesus, have your way. Have your way, have your way. Even right now, if you're watching at home or wherever you might be, I would just invite you to lift your hand and say, Jesus, have your way. May your purposes and may your plan prevail. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? God, just have your way. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We're still fearful, Lord. We're still afraid, God. But we just bless you and we worship you in this moment right now. Have your way, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.